Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. As we begin the new year, it's easy to get distracted by the millions of things going on in our lives. But the one thing that truly matters is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you can remain focused on Him this year and the years to come. Good morning. Happy 2013. How many of you wrote 2012 on your check this week? Somebody did, didn't you? Or signed something. Put 2000. I will do that until July probably. Every year. Oh uh, man, glad you're here to worship with us. Excited about um, continuing this series that we're doing right now called One Thing. But first things first, there's, there's a little bit of business I need to get out of the way. Um, today is one of our staff members' uh, birthday. You, most of you probably know him as our drummer. Um, uh, one of our drummers and, uh, you see him up here on stage, but Mr. Sean Fox, I think he, yeah, he's back there by the soundboard today. Happy birthday. He looks good for 52, doesn't he? For 52, he looks good. But, uh, man, thankful for him and thankful for all of our worship team and our production team. And, and how about our connection kids? Those of us who have children who were, their kids were able to be a part of the block party today. And, and man, that ministry that takes place every week is so awesome. But I did want to recognize Sean, uh, his birthday. He's very special to us. And in honor of Sean today, I wore my V-neck sweater. Um, so it was kind of my, my worship team starter kit kind of thing. I'm, I'm slowly moving into that. I figure I learn a few guitar licks, learn how to sing a little bit. I'll be ready now that I have a V-neck sweater. So anyway, all right, today, Mark chapter 3, verse 20 is where we're going to begin. I'm excited about today. Um, very excited about what God's been doing in my heart, especially over the last few days. And my prayer is today to share a little bit of that with you and that God would awaken our hearts to the reality of who he is and that he would awaken our hearts um, just to his power and his presence and his grace that he wants to pour out among his church. So Mark chapter 3, verse 20, we're going to read this one verse, and then we're jumping in to the message. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life. We thank you that it is light. And we walk in your truth, God. We have fellowship with you. When we come to the truth of who Jesus is, we have fellowship with you. That when we turn from the darkness and turn into the light, God, that you are true and you are faithful to cleanse us of our sins, God, and to have fellowship with us. Join us now, God, in a mighty and awesome way that your spirit would rain down. Join us together in fellowship around your gospel and fellowship in the spirit as, God, we open our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start out today um, a little heavy. Uh, You know, um, I want to be real honest and transparent that over the last few days, there's been a void in my life. Um, Some of you may be able to relate. Um, Coming into the new year, uh, there's been a void in my life, and and there's been some things missing, and um, really, really having a difficult time. And I finally pinpointed the cause of the void and, and, and really what it came down to is on Thursday, I started a diet and I have had no sugar for four days. So that void in my life, if I snap today, you'll understand, right? Because I've had no, well, I'll tell you that back. Susan wasn't looking. She got me into this mess. She, she started a diet several months back. She lost 19 pounds, which was awesome. Um, she did such a good job on the diet. And then going into the first of the year, I was like, I could shed a few pounds. And so I was like, she lost 19. 
Can't be that hard. I'll do this diet with it. The only problem is I love sweets and all the sweets were taken out of my diet. And so since Thursday, the only sweet I've had other than her, oh, I snuck one little muffin. She wasn't looking. And when she turned her back, Reed was eating some of these little, little packages of muffins, you know, that you buy. And, and they're about this big around. She walked out. I snatched them from Reed, took a muffin, ate it. It's confession time. I apologize. But, but there had been a void, man. And I'm going to tell you what, it made me irritable. I have been irritable. I have been, been on edge. I've been, I've, I've like woke up in the morning, the last few mornings. And I'm like, why am I even getting out of bed? I was like, I can't have my Dunkin' Donuts coffee with cream and sugar. You know, I can't eat cookies at 10 o'clock at night. There's been this huge void in my life. And man, I've seen the effects of it. It has affected me and it has affected everybody around me because I love sugar. I love carbohydrates. You take potatoes and sugar out of my life. And I'm like, what's the point? What is the point? And, and, and so I've been trying to do good, man. I've, I've been hanging in there. I've done all right. Actually have lost almost five pounds since Thursday. I don't even know if that's healthy, but there's been a huge void in my life. And, and, and I've been missing this sugar. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message. And as I was thinking back to Mark chapter three, verse 20, and I was thinking about how many of us are sitting in here today and there's a void in our life. And the implications of it are it affects every area of our life. How many of us are sitting in here today and and you've been going to church all of your life and you were promised the presence of God and yet there was a void when you got there. There were people and there were things going on, but there was just a void when you got there. It it, it fell short. Somebody over-promised and under-delivered, right? And you just kind of wondered, what the heck, man? What is the point? And so many people have fallen away. Many people have gone astray. Many people have given up on church. They've given up on God because they weren't brought to the presence of Jesus. They were brought to a production. Or they weren't brought to the presence of Jesus. They were brought to a program. And I want you to hear my heart today. As we go into 2013, I believe with everything in me, this is going to be an incredible, amazing year. But I think as as we're looking at this and as we're going forward, we've got to get first things first, right? We've got to get back to this, this, this reality that there's really one thing that matters. And his name's Jesus. We've got to get back to this fact that if the presence of God is not in his house, we're wasting our time. Right? Y'all gonna wake up now. Come on. This is too, let's start the new year right. Don't sleep through church. All right? Well, if you weren't so boring. Well, hey, I'm doing my best, okay? But the reality of it is, 2013, the rest of our lives, the, the kingdom for eternity, man, we can see the power of God move, but not if we get away from the one thing. That really matters. Look at this scripture. And I'll I'll give you a little background on when the Lord spoke to my heart about this scripture. Yes, he spoke to my heart. God speaks today because he is real and he is living and he is alive. And he desires to speak to your heart. And my prayer is today that he will do that. That he will speak clearly to you. We're sitting in a staff meeting and we're talking about some of the things for the budget um, in the next year. And we were like, well, do we need to increase printing? We'd like to maybe do some some folded printing. uh, bullet, whatever those things are, we hand in bulletins. I don't even know what you call them. The announcement cards that 
There you go. Announcement cards that you hand out coming in the door. We might do photo ones. They cost a little bit more money. We might do some different car stickers to put on the windshield, back windshield. You know, you see some of those around town. We might um, want to print another magazine or do something like that that we would put out for people. And we were talking about all of these things and do we need to increase the budget? And, and we we're throwing all these things around the table. And it was finally like all of that almost just zoned out. And I could hear voices, but I couldn't hear really what they were saying. And I was just thinking about it. And the Lord dropped the scripture in my heart and I went back and I read it and it just spoke to me so much and I shared it with our staff right then and there that unless Jesus is in the house it doesn't matter and here's the reality the church because of the void of Jesus in the house we've gone to trying to manufacture the presence of God so we do all of these things to try to make people have an experience with God but if he's not there he's not there And we try to do things to draw a large crowd. But listen, Carrie Underwood draws a large crowd, but it doesn't mean she changes anybody's heart. In fact, I'm pretty sure nobody ever went to a Carrie Underwood concert and walked down and went, my life has changed forever. Now I love people and I love God. I mean, it could have happened. God can do crazy, awesome things. But the reality of it is, I doubt it happened. The point of church is not just to draw a large crowd. The point of church is bringing a crowd of people to the presence of Jesus so that he can change their hearts. That's the point of church. And listen, here's the thing. We try so hard and we get so bogged down in details in the church and in our own lives about how do I do this? What do I do? You know, how how does this look? What do we need to print? What do we need to sing? I love the fact that that today, without really planning it, Greg came to me, our worship leader and and worship pastor. He comes to me and he says, listen, um, we're going to do an acoustic set on the six. I was like, perfect, because I knew what was on my heart to share. I love the fact that it was stripped down to help it enforce this point. That it's not about great bands or even great preachers. If we can find one of those, we will have an awesome church. And here's the thing. Here's the reality. It's not about any of that. It's not about lights. It's not about programs. It is about the presence of Jesus. That's it. That's all it is. And here's the crazy thing about it. You want to draw a crowd? Let Jesus be in the house. You want to see people's lives change? Let Jesus be in the house. But listen, if we just draw a large crowd just to come in and sing a few songs, to catch a nap or to listen to a preacher tell some stupid story about sugar, then what's the point? And my prayer in my heart for us today and for every day from here forward is that we would simply have a hunger and a desire and a thirst for Jesus that we wouldn't settle for the easy route of trying to manipulate people to some experience, some religious experience with God, but that we would get on our knees, that we would beg, that we would plead, God, don't let us open the doors if you're not going to be there. If you're not there, what's the point? It's like Moses, God, I'm not going on with these Israelites unless you go with me. And if the church would begin to cry, God, we don't want to do this without you. We need you. We need your power. We need your presence. We need you to be in this place. We don't want to try to cover up a void in our lives. When I was a teenager, 
I was like a lot of teenagers. I worried a lot about what people think. I probably worry more about that today than, um, than I probably should or that I'd really like to admit. But here's the reality. When I was a teenager, man, I worried. Like, and you know when you're a teenager, and so we got some teenagers over here. I talked to them just a little bit over here. And, and here's the thing. You ever woke up in the morning, went and looked in the mirror, and there it was, right? You know what I'm saying? That. Like, right? And, and how does it always find the tip of your nose? I don't, I don't know, but it does. And it finds the tilly and it's like this big red, what? Zit. You could say pimple, but zit. I mean, pimple sounds so politically correct. Let's just call it what it is. A zit, right? And I remember when I was in high school, and this is embarrassing to admit, but I was so insecure about who I was and, and, and probably still am, but I would, I would get in there and I'd see it. And I'd be like, oh my gosh. Like a, like you would think a teenage girl, right? Like, oh my gosh. I've got to see it. It's right under my nose. And I would actually go and find in my mother's drawer, I would find this cover-up makeup. Hey, I'm just being transparent. Y'all to try it. It is awesome. And I would find this cover-up makeup, and I'd be like, nobody has to know. And I would put that little bit of makeup on that zit, and I'd walk out. And I'd be like, you know what? Nobody can see the zit on my face. And it gave me more confidence. But here's the reality. The church has been trying to cover up zits far too long. Right? A lot of people in here today, your greatest effort has been spent trying to cover up zits. And the best thing we can do is bring zits, warts, and all into the presence of God, becoming transparent with Him, that God can come into our lives, that the light of God can shine on us, and that Jesus' presence can be made known. Because here's the reality, you cannot walk in darkness and walk in light. Thirty first John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. We either come into the light or we walk in darkness. And the Bible even says this, you can not walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. You can't. God calls us out of darkness into light. And the church, oh my gosh, if we could just get to the point where we would say, Jesus, we need the light. We need you. I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to do whatever it takes just to have you, Jesus, just because I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way anymore. I need you. And yet so many times, the reality of our experience with God is nothing more than religious activity, which is an empty and vain pursuit that does nothing for us. It only leads to frustration because it promises one thing and delivers another. I want you to understand today that getting back to a relationship with Jesus is where it all started. And getting back to a relationship with Jesus is where it must end. Period. Nothing else. If we do anything else, we pollute the gospel. And it loses its power. It is in the simplicity of the gospel. Yes, it is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who believe, it is eternal life. And so many people in here today, you think you're living, but you're really existing because you've yet to walk into the light of God. My prayer and my plea with you today is that you would walk into the presence, the power, and the light of Jesus. 
Many of us are void of that relationship. Here's the problem. When we bring people to a performance, when we bring people to a program, when we bring them, listen, they can have a good time. And and people walk out of here all the time and and they'll say, I love the band or I like the preacher or, or I thought this was good and we really like this. But oh, for the day that people walk out of the building and all they can exclaim is, oh my gosh, Jesus touched my heart. Oh, Jesus moved in my life. Not that we would sit around in coffee shops and debate doctrinal things or, or try to dissect every line of theology, but that our conversation because of our experience with Jesus is about how he's impacting our lives. Man, doctrine and theology is good and we need to keep it pure, but understand that doctrine and theology are paths to Jesus. They're not ends in themselves. Oh man, that we would hunger, that God would open our eyes and speak to our hearts. Because here's the reality. Religious activity doesn't change anyone's heart. An encounter and an experience with Jesus, with God, and the power of the gospel changes our heart. And this is how I know that. It changed mine. Right? I come up here and and it's awesome and it'd be really easy for me to look to you guys for validation and affirmation because here's the truth. Most of you guys see me for 45 minutes a week, right? Most of you guys know me from what is right here. What happens on this stage? You don't really know me the rest of the time. I could be an axe killing serial killer murderer for all you know, right? You don't know. Most of you know me from that, but the reality of it is, man, listen, this is probably the best 45 minutes I have all week. And that's scary. When you look at the level of quality, that is scary. But the reality is my wife sees the truth. My kids see the truth. I'm not perfect. And oh, if you think I'm wretched now, you should have seen me before Jesus. Woo! Yeah. Because I am telling you, apart from him, I am a mess. I'm a mess now, but apart, I mean a mess. Apart from him working in my life, it's not good. I've got several friends. It's kind of like the same birds of a feather flock together. Most of my friends, apart from Jesus, are a mess. And we know it. And so we know we have to cling to the author of life, the author and perfecter of our faith. We have to cling to him. We have to hold on to him. And we come to that place of realizing that it's not a performance. It's not just showing up on Sunday. It's not just reading my Bible. It's not just some time in prayer. It it is seeking and pursuing Jesus. The Bible says that if we will seek him, we will find him. If we'll seek him with all our heart, And so many of us are living off of stale old bread when the bread of life is right there. All we have to do is turn to it and pursue it and go after him. And I wonder how many of us today are truly doing that. How many of us today are living, not just existing. We're in this place, the power and the presence of God. Because see, there's two things working 
here. One of them is we need the power and presence of Jesus in the church. Without it, we're wasting our time. But the reality of that is if the power and presence of Jesus is going to be in our house, it's got to be in your house first. If it's not in your house, we can't just show up on Sunday morning, flip a switch, set up some pipe and drape and think, well, Jesus is just going to do awesome things. Why would Jesus move in people's heart in a place where he can't trust the people that he's turning them over to? And until Jesus has us, until it becomes about him, we have to come to this realization. God's not going to trust us with his babes, with those who come to faith. If God's going to be in our house, he's got to be in your house. Is Jesus ruling and reigning in your house? Is he the king of your house? Listen, he's the king of the universe. Is he the king of your house? Is he moving in your marriage? Is he moving in your parenting? Is he, is he being experienced? The grace of Jesus experienced in your house? Is he real? I, I sometimes struggle with parenting. I'm not a perfect parent. I try to be transparent with my children. I tell them when I make mistakes. But for parenting, um, you've heard me talk about this before. Sometimes bath time uh, can be a struggle, right? And, and so... One night we were having a little trouble with the kids. And I know you don't have trouble with your kids. I have trouble with my kids sometimes. But we have a little trouble getting the children in bed, right? Or in the bath. And so they didn't want to take a bath and, and they were filthy. They were like, I'm not dirty. And they like got junk all over their face. I'm like, okay, let's look in the mirror. And, and, but rationalizing with a kid doesn't work. And some of you will judge me for this, but others of you will go home and use this. So one night we were trying to come up with a way like, how oh, do we get them in the tub? They won't listen. And I just didn't want in a mood for arguing. And there was always the whip out the belt, beat them on the rear end and, you know, just throw them in the tub, screaming, kicking and all that kind of stuff. But I decided I would tell them a little story about a guy named Willie Joe. Susan's laughing because I, I, she knows this story well, because I've used it on multiple occasions. And if anybody goes and tells my children that this story is not true, we'll kill you. But I made up a little story about Willie Joe and Willie Joe was a guy I went to high school with. And, and the problem for Willie Joe was Willie Joe refused to take a bath. So you choose to think of this as a lie. I look at it as a parable, right? <laughs> and so Willie Joe refused to take a bath and poor Willie Joe ended up losing three fingers that fell off because he would not take a bath. You don't want your fingers to fall off, do you? You need to get in the bathtub. And, and so Willie Joe became synonymous. But I have one child named Dake who is 10 years old now and who is very intuitive, who doesn't take anything at surface level, but asks many, 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 many questions. Who began to inquire about Willie Joe. And he said, Dad, where's Willie Joe now? I was like, well, you know, some, mm. he said, well, where does he live? And he started firing these questions. And so finally I said, Dake, he's dead. <laughs> the filth finally killed him. <laughs> it went from his hand to his arm. And then finally it got his heart. He's gone. Put. Done. And I was like, do you want to be like Willie Joe? Then get in the shower. freaking out and so I told on this story about Willie Joe but the problem came when 
he began to inquire about his existence. Right? When he began to ask too many questions. And I think the same thing is true. Listen, for us with God, if Dake is inquiring about the existence and experience with Willie Joe and wanting to know where is he and wanting to know uh, where does he live, and I knew that eventually we were going to get to the question, can we go meet him? No, he's dead. And so I finally just had to kill him off. Period, at the end of it. But I believe the same logic applies to us with God. Listen, we tell people about God. We talk about God. But when's the last time you've experienced God? And so this is what we wouldn't say, but this is how we live as if God were dead. But I want you to hear today that God is not dead. He is fully alive. And there's power in the gospel and there's power in his presence. Would you be like Moses in the Old Testament and just cry out for God? God, show me your glory. Whatever it takes for me to see it. God, show me your glory. But I know that you live. I believe that you live. God, help me with my unbelief. But show me your glory. That I could experience you, God. That I could know you. That I could walk in the power of your presence. That I could walk in the truth of who you are. I'll tell you a little more about this experience later, but I had to get away this week and do a little bit of soul searching and really figuring out some things with God and in my own relationship with Jesus. And Friday afternoon, a little bit after lunch, I began to read uh, in the book of John. And I got to John chapter 10 and the Lord really began to speak to my heart. And to be quite honest, I, I was again, anytime I need to be with the Lord and I'm really doing some digging and some searching, I'll just go find somewhere and get away. And I went up to George L. Smith State Park, got a cabin, and I just stayed um, about a day and a half by myself. And I, I sat there and, and just prayed and read and, and really sought the Lord. And, and, you know, almost 24 hours later, I was like, Lord, where are you? Are you going to speak? And I came to John chapter 10 and in verse 40, and I want to read 40 through 42 to you. It says this in John 10, 40 through 42. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And listen, and in that place, many believed. And it caught my attention and the Lord really began to minister to my heart and he began to speak to my heart as I read the very first sentence in that section of scripture that Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing. And I read that and I began to think about that and meditate on that. And as God began to speak to my heart, I realized that this whole movement of Christ, this Christian movement that we're a part of now, that Jesus began almost 2000 years ago, that is where it started it's not where jesus was baptized but it is where john the baptist began to proclaim the coming of the messiah and this is the thing i realized is that many of us are sitting in here with a void in our life and here's the problem you crossed over at some point into religion away from jesus and you need to get back to where it started And here's the reality for some people. For some people, you've never crossed over. 
never known what it is to be in a relationship with Christ, to have the assurance that my sins are forgiven and to have the great and awesome privilege that we cannot take for granted, that we are in fellowship with God. And for many of us, we, we felt the void and we know the void's there, but we've always pursued religion and we haven't pursued Jesus or either we've gotten away from it. And I thought it was pretty interesting in the context of this scripture that right before this happened, Jesus had almost been killed. Like people, he's God, so like almost isn't really almost to, uh, to him as it is to us, but he had gone across the, the Jordan back to where it all began after the Jews had just tried to lay their hands on him to kill him but he escapes he goes back to the Jordan and sometimes I just believe this in our lives that we have to get back to where it all began we've got to take our eyes off of everything that it's become and get back to the place where it all started and it's interesting to me too that it said Jesus remained because that's the place where we have to live from Obviously, I can't live in a cabin in, at George L. Smith State Park. But that's not the point. The point is that God brought me back to the place where it all began. And that is at his feet. And that is in gratitude. And that is in thankfulness for all that he's done in my life. And hello, if you're here and God has done something in your life, do you know what I'm talking about? That you have to get back to that place where God worked in your life. When was it? Was it last week? Was it 10 years ago? Was it 30 years ago? What has it become? When you open your Bible, is it in seeking the Lord or is it just in doing some religious duty? Because there is a huge, huge difference. And I want you to get back to where it all began. The reality is if you are a Christian, it began in Jesus. So many of you are here today and you know that fire that you felt when Jesus came into your life. For many of you, it's been years and years and you know the passion that you live from and you know how fresh and new everything was and you know how good it felt just to be in the arms of Christ and you know what it's like to be in fellowship with him and somehow that's gotten sidetracked. Somehow you've gotten away from that. But here's the reality of it today. You can come back to where it began in fellowship and in relationship with Christ, you can have that life, that fire, that vigor. But if we're going to have it, if we're really going to live, it's going to be because we get back to the one thing that really matters, Jesus. One of the things among many that I've been accused of, other than us not being a real church, um, other than us being a cult, other than us not preaching the gospel, is that I preach the gospel too much. I hear it. I mean, more than you would think, like, because I got into this thinking I'm called to preach the gospel. And then one of the criticisms I hear is, all you ever preach is the gospel. I mean, you want me to talk about Oprah? I don't, what do you want me to talk about? Because I only know one thing that changed my heart. And that's Jesus. I only know one thing that leads me more to the image of Christ. And that's him. I only know one thing that makes my marriage better. Jesus. I only know one thing that makes me a better father. 
Jesus makes me a better son. Jesus makes me a better pastor. Jesus, one thing. And whatever it is in your life that that you can think of, I can tell you this, you have the same answer. Jesus. One thing. It's only one thing that matters. I'm going to tell you real quick, and we're going to get out of here. We're actually getting out of here early today. One thing I want to tell you. Or, or actually a couple of things I want to tell you about this one thing. Because here's where some people are. The first one is this. Some people in here today need to quit running. You need to quit running. So many people are running from the Lord. Oh my gosh, how many times have I run? How many times have I realized that just over time my attention turned and I began to walk in the wrong direction? I began to move in the wrong direction. I began to walk away from my first love, Jesus. I began to walk away from the one who changed my heart, Jesus. And I began to pursue other things. And listen, you will always pursue the thing that seems to be what will satisfy you, period. And I began to look at other things. But here's the thing I've learned after trusting and pursuing him for several years now. Is that none of that ever satisfies. And some of us today need to stop running. Some of you today know there's something in your life that God has been pressing on for a long, long time. And he's telling you, turn that over to me. Turn back to me. You can't pursue that and pursue me. Which one are you going to pursue? And the reality of it is some of you are running from God. Little piece of advice. You cannot outrun him. Joe amends that because he knows. I pray that there are other people in here who know you can't outrun God. You can't. So why are you running? Why are you hiding? Why are you trying to escape the deliverer when he's the one who delivers? You're running from the one who gives life. Stop running. The second thing I would tell you is turn around. Walk into the light. Stop running and turn around. You'll be surprised how close he is. You've run and run and run and you tried to get away. And yet the reality of it is this. You haven't outrun him. You can't do enough bad to overcome his good. Your bad cannot trump the cross. Where the price was paid. For you to be made whole and righteous and clean. Why are you running from that kind of God who gave his own life? So that you could be made right. Why are we running from him? Walk into the light. See, here's the thing about it, guys. Walking into the light is scary. It's intimidating. To do what 1 John 1 says and confess your sins before God, to confess your sins to one another, that you may be cleansed and made whole. That don't scary. But it's because we don't see God clearly. But when we make a decision, I've pursued this long enough. I've got to turn. I've got to go back to him. He's the one that I need. I can't live apart from him. And we turn around. And we walk in the light and we become transparent before God. I've never understood why we try to hide things from God when he knows everything. It's just a lack of trust. But when we see the price that Jesus paid on the cross for us, can we not trust him with our deepest, darkest issues? I can tell you this from walking with people through real life stuff. That 
In the darkness is where sin manifests. And when you start to isolate yourself and you start to isolate your sin, you become easy prey for Satan. And pretty soon, every line you drew in the sand, you've crossed it and you're in places you never thought you'd be. But the reality of it is, as God is knocking on your heart, all you've got to do is turn around. He's right there. The third thing you need to do is look up. Look up. Somehow we, we have this perception of walking in the light as being this bad thing. As if we walk out and, and, and we have to come and we have to hang our head down and, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible person. And, 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 and see, listen, for some of us, we do that because guilt makes us feel better. We feel as though somehow guilt qualifies us for God's grace. You can't qualify yourself for God's grace. That's why the scripture says, come boldly before my throne of grace. Not on your merit, but on the merit of Jesus. The one who paid the ultimate price. The one who gave it all. Turn around, walk into the light, and look up to him. You don't live for God by following religious rules and regulations. By having your head down living in condemnation. You follow God when in exaltation you begin to look up and praise the one who forgave you for all your sin. I'm glad you think so. Who forgave us all our sin. Who, who, who's moved in incredible ways in our lives. And for some today, who's trying to move in your life. And but we come to him and we, we see this turning, this repentance, this coming back to God as something of, oh gosh, I just feel horrible. I'm such a bad person. And yet God, in, in, in the, about the fourth or fifth grade, I had one of my first crushes. Sorry, honey, there was one before you. And in about the fourth or fifth grade, I had one of my first crushes, and she was, had long blonde hair. She was so pretty. And, and I remember one day, I was sitting in class, and she was sitting in the desk next to me, and they were watching a movie. I was watching her. And, and I looked over, and, and she had this tear coming down her eye, coming out of her eye, down her face. And, and, and she looked over, and we'd been watching this movie, and in the movie, there was this kind of like the prince in shining armor comes to this young girl and, and the little girl's crying and, and, and he lifts up her face. He's like, look at me. And that's another reason I wasn't watching the movie of Sappy, but he was like, look at me. And then he gives her this sweet little kiss. And I looked over and she had a tear coming down her eye and she looked at me and she goes, I wish someone could do that for me. I don't know all the details, but I'll volunteer for that job. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I can, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's crushing. And, and, and so many times, you know, as Christians, man, we lose sight of the joy of God. And we walk around with our heads down, not realizing that God is a God who desires to lift us up. He desires to lift up our head in the midst of our, our, our sin and our despair and in all the, the things of life and, and in all the disappointments of life and in the fear of what 2013 will bring and what's it going to look like. We, we, we think that we've got a God who somehow would rather keep our head down than lift it up and focus our eyes on him. And the thing we've got to come to the conclusion of is that I've got to put my eyes on him. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But in him, all things are possible. And the life I desire to live, the the life that I want to live for him is possible, but only when I lift up my eyes, when I look up to him and I see him clearly. 
Psalm 121, 1 and 2, we actually sang these verses earlier this morning. But the Bible tells us that the psalmist is crying out and he says, lift up your eyes. Let me read it to you because I will jack that up in a second. I want to read this to you because God really spoke to my heart this week through it. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And there are people today who the thing you need is to stop running, turn around and lift up your eyes to the Lord. Lift them up. The church has told people for far too long that the way you live for God is to feel guilty about not being obedient to all the rules. And we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. And because of that, here's what's happened. We've pointed people to something to do and not someone to know. And the reality of it is, if we don't know him, if we're not continually knowing him and being known, we can't follow him. We can't live for him. And his presence is not going to be in our lives. The fourth and last one I would tell you is hold on. Hold on. Stop running. Turn around. Look up. Hold on. Because see, here's the thing. Salvation and living for God and coming to this place of knowing God, that's not the end. That's the beginning of a journey. And God begins to take us on this journey. And here's the thing that programs and that religious activity can never do. Give you a desire to pursue God for the rest of your life. And here's the thing I don't want to do is paint some pretty picture that everything all of a sudden becomes okay, that everything all of a sudden gets right, that life all of a sudden becomes super comfortable. In ways, it becomes very uncomfortable. But here's the thing I can tell you. You find something in Christ. You find find something in Jesus, you find something in the presence and power of God. When you get back to the simplicity of the gospel and you get back to Jesus, you find something in God that you want to hold on to forever. That no matter what, you don't want to let go. That's what an experience with Jesus does. That's what an encounter with Jesus does. But that is impossible to have happen. Through religious activities, through going through the motions, it only happens through a relationship with Christ. Here's the thing I can tell you. I know this. There are three times when, when I really got back to focusing on Jesus. And there's been a lot of course corrections. There's been a lot of times where, where God had to correct my course and I started drifting over. But there's been three major times that God has worked and, and, and I mean, opened my eyes. One of them was when I was on the walk to Emmaus on April 1st, 2000. It's a retreat that happens all over the world, but I was on one at Tattnall County Campground. I was down there and at lunchtime on that day, I had an opportunity literally and spiritually to walk into the light. And I came and I confessed my sin and something broke in me. And I can tell you this, if not for that encounter, if not for that experience, I would not be standing before you today. But God touched my heart and I experienced God. I didn't experience something that was manipulated. I experienced the power of Jesus and my prayers that we would hunger for that experience. 
that we would hold on to him and not let go. The second time was, I've shared this many times before, but I was in a pretty bad place and um, I was unemployed at the age of 33. Um, and on October 7th, my 33rd birthday, I was in a cabin in Garfield, Georgia, not knowing if I was gonna be in ministry, not knowing what I was gonna do. And I read 1 Samuel 9 and 10 and the Lord spoke to my heart about the possibility of a church in Statesboro, Georgia that would connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. And at that moment, my eyes were open and I can tell you that I looked inside my own heart and I saw a fire that flickered and, and it wasn't much. And that, that the only thing that I could hear coming from the voice of God is I've called you to be a pastor and just Take this dream I placed in your heart and run with it and don't let go and don't doubt it and just move and just trust and just keep your eyes on me and pray that the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus would be in the house. Four years ago now, November 17th, it was four years since we started the church, since I had made that decision. Susan made that decision with me and we decided we would start the church. And I just want to tell you, things aren't always perfect. There's Sundays, man, when I, I don't feel qualified to talk to you, but this is the one thing I can bow to you. I, I won't do this if, if all I want to do is stand up here and put on a mask. And I can promise you, I'm not going to fake it. I can't fake it. But I can feel myself drifting to this place where I began to doubt almost everything. I began to wonder about almost everything in my life. And I really began to struggle. And I was having this horrible time of, of even wondering, God, was this church was it just something I dreamed I mean was it your dream really God because some days it sure doesn't feel like it some days it sure doesn't feel like you're in it and as I sat in a cabin on Friday this is fresh man this is new this is what's going on in my life feeling like I haven't experienced Jesus in a long time and God I can't stand up one more Sunday and fake it. I can't live one more day telling people to proclaim something that right now is not cemented in my own heart. And God, if you want me to continue, then you've got to show up and you've got to move because I'm not going forward if the power of Jesus is not in me. And I'm not going forward if the power of Jesus is not in this church. And the Lord spoke to my heart out of John chapter 10, verse 40. And he says, just get back. Just get back to where it started. And I literally felt the doubt leave. I felt his presence come. Not because I did anything, but simply because I cried out to a God who longs to step into our situation. He longs to move in our heart. Sometimes we are like the psalmist and we scream out, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And yet this is the thing I know that the Bible promises if we will seek him with all our heart, with all of our being, with everything in us, he will be found. 
But some of us gave up a long time ago on seeking and finding the Lord. And we began to only seek religious activity. And you're frustrated and you're disappointed and you're disillusioned. And today I want to tell you, lift up your eyes to the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the one who desires to draw near. Let him breathe into you the power of the Holy Spirit. That he would move in your heart. That he would dwell. That that you would live from a renewed sense of fire and passion. And people will say, well, it's not about emotion. Well, tell me you can encounter the God of the universe and not become emotional. That we would move from settling for so little when he's promised so much. Don't settle. I'm not going to settle. I ask you to hold me accountable to not settle. Let's not stop short of the power and presence of Jesus. We've got to be about the one thing that matters. And for some of us today, we need to get back to the one thing that matters. And for others today, you need to say yes for the first time to the one thing that matters. And that is Jesus. I'm not talking about church attendance and stale religious activity. I'm talking about a relationship with the God of the universe. I'm talking about finally that you quit running and you turn and you walk into the light and you lay it all before God and you say, God, I need you. And you lift up your eyes, not in condemnation, but in exaltation of the one who gave it all so that you could be made clean. And then you hold on with everything because you've tasted something that's so good. You never want to be separated from it again. I'm telling you, you can try to walk away, but it brings you back every time because there's not enough sex or drugs or anything else in the world to fulfill the void that he fulfills. And so here's the question. Do you know him? Is he in your house? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 that our house is our body. It's our tent. It's the tabernacle. It's the the place, the gathering place of the Holy Spirit that if we're in Christ, that he resides there. Is he in your house? In 1 Corinthians 3, it says that the church, the, the body of believers is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So two places, it talks about the temple of the Holy Spirit. One is us and two is his church, his gathering, his assembly, you, when we come together. Is God in your house? Is he in you? Do you know him? Is he alive? Is he working? Is he manifesting himself in you or have you settled for something less? I wanna ask you today, if you don't know him, you've never known him, you've never walked into a relationship with Jesus, you've never trusted in him as your savior, as your Lord. And and listen, today you know that God is drawing you and you have heard him speak to your heart and say, why are you running? Why are you trying to get away? Where are you going? Turn around to the God of love. Turn around to the God of second chances, the God who seals our eternity and look up to me. You know, you've never done that. You've never tasted his goodness. You've never walked in his presence and you've never walked in his power. And today you know that he is calling you and he is beckoning you to come and that he is good and that he is your only hope for salvation. This is what I want you to do. I'm gonna ask you, and listen, you're not doing this for me. You're doing this one for you, but two for the glory of God. 
I want to ask you, you don't know him, but you want to. I'm going to ask you to be very bold. Listen, he was bold and went to a cross for you. And I'm going to ask you to be very bold. No heads bowed, no eyes closed. That you would stand to your feet right now to profess your faith and say, I need Christ. I need a relationship with Jesus. I don't need religion. I need a relationship. Where are you? Stand up and let's celebrate this. Amen. Amen. Keep standing. Listen, 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 listen. Here's the thing I know, not from being a prophet. I'm like, oh, oh. Listen, you guys that stood, y'all just walk out the back, man. We want to pray with y'all. When you walk out those doors, there's going to be some people there to pray with you. I promise, man, they, they're just going to help you take your next steps in faith. And we don't do this to put you on the spot. We just want to walk with you as you start this new journey in Christ, man. If y'all would just walk right back there, they're going to meet you. Is that cool, man? You do that? Thank you. Amen. And listen, here, here's the thing. Though. There, were, there are three men walking out the back. I believe this with all my heart. There's some of you right now, you know your heart is beating 100 miles an hour. What is hindering you? Who gives a rip about the person sitting next to you and what they think? Their relationship with Christ is their own deal. But you know you needed to be standing and you needed to be walking out with them because you know you need and desire a relationship with Jesus. Listen, we're about to shut this thing down in just a minute. I want to know where you are. There's a crowd of people here. But God knows you and he loves you. If the Lord is speaking to your heart right now, I'm asking you, man, be bold. Be bold and stand to your feet. And we can celebrate. Okay? Listen, there are others of us here today who we simply need to get back. We need to get back to where we began. And somehow we've drifted. And somehow we've gotten away from the main thing. And you're like me sitting in that cabin on Friday. Hello, I'm a pastor of a church. I texted a friend of mine the other day and I was like, dude, pray for me. I'm having some troubles, man. I'm struggling. It's a crappy place for a pastor to be is exactly what I, I texted. But today you find yourself in a very similar situation. Man, I need the Lord. I need him. And I want to know how many of us would be bold enough to proclaim today that I want to cry out to you. And my first step back to you is going to be that I stand up and, and I'm willing to say, listen, I'm willing to walk into the light in front of 400 people and say, God, I need you. Not everything's right in my life, but God, I need you. I need your power and I need your presence and I want your presence in your house and God, it starts with me. Today, I need you. How many of you today would be willing to say, I gotta get back to where it began? How many of you would stand to your feet right now and say, my first step back is coming into the light today? Amen.
Don't stand to do me a favor. Stand because the Lord spoke to your heart. Amen. Some of you need to be standing. Here's the reality, guys. This is awesome. And this is a first step. And this is, this is where, where it begins is saying, I want to get back to the beginning. But my question for you is, what are you going to do when you walk out of here? How are you going to know him? Are you going to pursue him? Will you cry out to him? Every morning when you wake up, will you let your cry be, God, I need you. Return to me the joy of your salvation. He doesn't even say our salvation. He says the joy of your salvation, meaning God's salvation. When you walk out of here today, my prayer for you is that the one thing that burns in your heart more than anything else is I've got to have him. I've got to have him. And no matter what it takes, no matter what it looks like, no matter what a sacrifice I have to make, no matter what it takes for me to to lay down my life, to get on my knees, God, I want you. Set my heart on fire. I don't want to be without him. And I don't want you to be without him. I want you to be in a relationship with him. And I'm going to pray over you today. And Listen, this prayer is in faith that when you walk out of these doors, you're going to pursue him with all that you have. The one thing that matters, the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in the field. And we pursue him with everything that's in us. Let's pray. God, thank you for these precious saints, God. Thank you for their hearts. God, thank you for their lives. And thank you that you care enough about them to even know the number of hairs on their heads. God, thank you that you're not distant, you're not separated, but that you're here. And set our hearts on fire to know you, to long for you, to hunger for you, that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would be filled. We would pursue you with everything we have, that we would, if it takes it, sell all to buy that pearl of great price. And God, today we stand up and I stand up with them and we walk into the light and we say, I don't have it all together. In some ways I'm doubting, in some ways I'm confused, in some ways I just don't know. God, I believe you're the answer and we walk into the light knowing that you are faithful and just and that you'll cleanse us of our sins and we'll walk in fellowship with you. God, we want to hold and cling to you. May the power of your spirit awaken us to new and fresh life in you. God, don't let us exist, but let us live. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you and we praise your name. And God, I look forward to the testimonies that come from people walking out of these doors, refreshed and renewed, not by me and not by songs that were just sung, but by the power and presence of Jesus in our lives. God, do what only you can do and transform hearts. God, give us a new hope. Give us a new spirit. Change our hearts, Jesus. We love you and we praise you, God, for being good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.